What's up, Asian Alec family? Today, we're hearing from Philippe Prosper, a.k.a. Rap as a Martial Art, who is an international Shaolin Grandmaster and professional rapper. We talk about how hip-hop and martial arts can impact cultural identity and how we can address the issues that 2020 has brought. And then, things get spiritual. I hope you enjoy. AO fam, welcome to a brand new episode of Inside Outlook, the official podcast of Asian Outlook magazine. My name, as always, is Mike Messina, and joining me today, we have rapper and grand champion martial artist. He is Liu Kang's hands meets the Wu-Tang Clan. Mr. Rap is a martial art. Sir, thank you so much for being here today. Mike, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. Of course. And so right off the bat, first thing I wanted to ask is, can you just tell myself and the audience a little bit about yourself, about your life experience and your relationship with martial arts as well as hip hop? Yeah. Um, so uh, as you said, I'm rap as a martial art. I started uh, uh, martial arts at the age of about six years old. My father uh, was a huge martial arts enthusiast and uh, he was actually at one of the first um, mixed martial arts schools. Uh, in the country before it was popular. And so he put me in judo at about six years old. Um, and, you know, I fell in love with martial arts then and there, um, started competing. Um, and uh, at about, uh, then started Taekwondo eventually. Uh, but that wasn't um, serious enough for me. So we looked for a very uh, traditional involved uh, Kung Fu school, finally found that. Uh, and then was there uh since I was from, from 14 and I still practice now. So it's like 11 years, uh, 20, sorry, not 11 years, <laughs> that's funny, 21 years. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's my relationship with martial arts. So martial arts raised me. Um, my Kung Fu teacher played a, a very important mentor role in my life. And the Chinese culture was around me uh, just growing up in all my formative years. Uh, I used to practice five to seven hours a day at one point. And uh, as far as martial arts, I've just always loved poetry. I've always loved wordplay and had a knack for, for words and melodies and music. And so at some point, I started applying myself to rapping. And uh, just because of the way I was raised, I just uh, see a lot of life through the lens of martial arts. And specifically, rap kind of gave me a format uh, to live out the martial arts spirit that I had lived out for so long. Uh, but verbally. Mm -hmm. And, you know, martial arts, of course, something that's very near and dear to my heart as well. Anyone who's uh, a fan of the podcast probably knows that, talk about it all the time. Mm -hmm. I know that me as an Asian American adoptee, I started doing Taekwondo as a way to reconnect with my heritage a little bit, with my Korean roots. So I'm wondering what it is about Kung Fu that really hooked you that made that particular style stick. It's a good question. Um, yeah, I think with Kung Fu, um, you know, I'm an artist by wiring and just the aesthetic of Kung Fu really is, you know, I think about the term art of war and you can say that about every martial art, but, uh, you know, I think from the animal styles to the weapons and even the spirit of the martial artists in Kung Fu films, they would have so much swagger while having so much skill, you know, and I mm -hmm. think I love the personality and the character that was displayed there. Um, I think also uh, I come from uh, you know, I learned this a little later, but it's kind of cool. My uh, my mom's actually both sides of my family had a lot of military generals. Um, uh, not just people. Uh, not this is great, but not just people who were serving, but people who 
really thrived and, and had a lot of leadership positions in the military. Uh, and uh, there's also a lot of writers and artists. So mm-hmm. it's kind of cool. Uh, it's kind of, I'm kind of like the combination of my heritage without even knowing it. Uh, so it's just kind of who I am. Uh, so I think the love for martial arts is there. I think it's just kind of, you know, my family was in, in, involved in uh, a lot of war time types of things. And so I think I'm a warrior by nature. And um, yeah, I, you know, I love art. So, uh, and probably the most practical example is my dad loved Kung Fu movies. So we watched Kung mm-hmm. Fu a whole lot. And so, um, yeah, I fell in love with Bruce Lee and Jet Li and Jackie Chan. And mm, of course, of course. Yeah, a warrior poet kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, totally. And like sort of on the same topic, I guess, I see this quote on your website, Shaolin Kung Fu chose me, I chose rap. Kind of talking like Mr. Miyagi or something like that over here. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, like I said, um, you know, my father put me in martial arts so young and, uh, you know, growing up uh, when I finally got to the Kung Fu school, you know, just being hooked from a kid, like my favorite martial art was always Kung Fu from watching the movies. And I just ended up doing the other ones until I could find a good school. Um, and so in, in that sense, the the movies were there and kind of chose me. But also, as I spent time with my teacher and my master, eventually, uh, you know, he, he had, he's had obviously over, you know, he's had thousands of students since he came from Hong Kong uh, about 40 years or 50 years ago now. Um, and, uh, you know, he's only had a handful of disciples. Um, and, uh, you know, he'd asked me, uh, to be one of his disciples, um, towards the later half of the time of of me at the school. And so in that sense, it chose me, you know, as a kid, but even later and then rap, you know, I didn't have rap anywhere around me really growing up. My parents were hardworking immigrants. They didn't want me to listen to rap most of the time growing up. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I would hear rap of my friends' places or different things. For a long time, I didn't even want to listen to it. And then I fell in love with it. I heard the Eminem uh, Slim Shady LP and was just amazed by his ability with words. And it felt like that. It felt like somebody who mastered words the way someone masters a martial art. And uh, so then I was like, you know, I, I, that's what I want to do. That's how I want to verbally express how what I express with my body. Mm-hmm. And I personally, I hear the Eminem influence in uh in the wordplay and the flow that you're putting out there in your videos and in your tracks yeah 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 that's a compliment (laughs) so would you say that um hip-hop sort of helped you culturally connect with american culture at all yeah absolutely i mean i went to an international school Uh, english is my second or third language depending on how i think about it and so um you know i went to international schools all the way up to high school uh, and that's when I went to an American school. Uh, honestly, hip hop helped me connect to American culture and also helped me connect to African American culture. Um, you know, the Haitian culture is is not the same, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so, yeah, for sure. It was definitely a, a way for me to connect. And, and uh, then that kind of became a part of, you know, part of who I am. And so we're, we're sort of touching upon, you know, connecting to different black or Latino Latinx communities here in America. When you were doing martial arts, did you see a lot of non-Asian or non-white folk coming out and doing that and sharing that love with you? Um, could you clarify that question? I think I know what you mean, but I just want to make sure I, I got you. Yeah. Were, were there any other basically people of color who were also doing martial arts around you when you started doing it? 
Oh yeah. 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 For sure. I mean, I, I think, um, uh, yeah, predominantly Asian and then secondary was black actually. I think, mm. uh, it was kind of like a pattern, you know, you'd see a lot of Asian students and then you see a lot of black students at the schools. And then maybe third was, uh, white students, uh, so yeah and then maybe fourth was latin students so yeah definitely definitely makes very diverse uh but that love of martial arts uh from the black community and the love of hip-hop from the asian community is kind of a funny trade-off they yeah definitely yeah definitely and like when i'm looking at um you know the uh, history of activism of both asian communities and black and latinx communities those kinds of little cultural crossovers are what's really important and and they sort of form the heart and soul i think of that connection of that crossover uh like you said anything from hip-hop you have guys today like bamboo holding it down on the west coast filipino american hip-hop to kung fu yeah. films as well fantastic love all of it love it yeah it's awesome man. and so as being around that asian cultural component of martial arts affected your own cultural identity at all or how you see yourself yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you saw the uh, stereotypes video. I did. I did. And the commentary too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I, that's actually an older video that I put back out because one of the things I've been talking a lot about in the in the um, climate, the cultural and political climate that we live in is the impact that stereotypes have beyond you know, the things that may be systematic in our culture, uh, I think people overlook sometimes the very real impact there is with stereotypes, but not just the impact, the opportunity there is to form and shape how people see certain people, groups, and cultures. There's actually an opportunity for um, positive uh, reinforcements, but we see the impact of the, the negative stereotypes and what happens with that. Uh, but I remember one of the comments, or it's happened a couple times, <laughs> um, well, actually, not for stereotypes. Stereotypes have been all types of comments, but actually, no. Uh, because I do martial arts and hip-hop, I remember somebody put on a video, a comment on my Wong Fei Hong freestyle video when mm. I'm sitting in horse dance with the cups. You know, somebody put something in the comments about, like, culture vulture or something like that. Ah, okay. Um, so and it, it was just absolutely ridiculous and silly to me because it's like um, China is filled with Buddhism, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Buddhism comes from that, that came from India. Does that make them culture vultures? No, like culture, like culture is an amalgamation of things that they get from each other, and then you form a culture. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. Um, right. And so it's like every single culture gets stuff from other cultures. Like so, like you know, I think there can be instances of the you know using the term culture vulture, but for me, it's not something that I'm imitating. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like, I'm not imitating anybody. Like I was raised like this. So it's like, if, if somebody comes to, if an Asian kid comes to America and he's eating hamburgers and, and wearing an American, American flag t-shirt, is he a culture vulture? Hmm. No, not if he grew up in Dallas and that's what he knows. Like, what are you talking about? You know what I mean? Like he's just doing what he knows. Like that's his culture now. Like he's a Chinese American. He's not just Chinese. Right. Uh So uh, I think, I think for me, you know, there's, you know, I think that's, that even shows ignorance. Like there's a bunch of uh, Chinese kids who know very little about Chinese martial arts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And especially for something like martial arts, like you're saying, it's something that a lot of people want to spread and want to, it's something that's learnable by other people and really changes your life. And like you're saying, who you are, not just, you know, what culture you ascribe to. Yeah. Like I can't, you know, growing up, you know, 
my teacher, you know, when we would go to demonstrations or tournaments and we would eat afterwards, he wouldn't let me eat with a fork, right? He wanted me to eat with chopsticks. Mm. So it's like, so it's like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm not imitating anybody. Like that, that was, that I had to learn, you know what I mean? Like that's as much. So as far as, of course, I appreciate that it's not uh, my native culture, but I think the way I personally define culture uh, culture is a set of habits and norms, uh, you know, with from a specific group of people. You know, it gets established over time. And so, as far as martial arts culture, that's native to me. I've done that my whole life. I don't know anything else. Mm-hmm. And let me say, I I feel that chopstick story so much. Again, as someone who's adopted, uh, that wasn't something that was you know inherent in my household. Like a lot of people would expect when they see me. So when I'm going out with my college friends, first time being with a lot of other Asian kids and Asian students, Asian people. Uh, it was a huge process of that and just becoming more proficient with chopsticks over these past four years has been huge for me. It's such a little thing, but it means so much to me. Right. No, but but even to your point, like you said, being, being, uh, adopted, like there's things that are native to you from just being at Mm -hmm. home. Like somebody seeing you do a video of just stuff that's native to you and be like culture vulture, you're taking American culture. Talking about like this, this is all I know. Yeah, definitely. And another thing that I've talked about a couple times on the podcast, like that hyphen in identities, like Asian American or you know Black American or martial artist, rapper, whatever it is, it's not just necessarily a combination of those two things. When you bring two things together and then bind it with yourself, that is a whole new third way. You're a whole new unique thing. You're more than just the sum of your parts. Yeah, that's that was bars right there, man. Coming from you, that means a lot. That means a lot. Yeah. So I also know that you've mentioned faith before in, you know, some of your lyrics, some of your songs, as well as some interviews and quotes, things like that. Does that play a big part in who you are and the message you're trying to convey? Yeah, absolutely, man. That's the most important part of of who I am. Everything else is just uh, adorning it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, I obviously I love martial arts. I love rap, but at the end of the day, you know, I always tell people like I didn't grow up uh, in a you know uber spiritual home. You know, it's not like we we didn't go to church really much. Maybe a little bit as a kid, uh, and then we stopped. So I I didn't grow up in a home where we were going to church all the time. I had Muslim friends, Hindu friends, Buddhist friends, just everywhere. So you know, for me, my my uh, faith experience is a cool one i think uh of just you know being skeptical and observant and just crying out to god like i can't help the fact like i'm an artist Mm -hmm. right so when i see art i can't deny art you know uh it's art is an intentional thing right and uh i i enjoy science as well and um although there are a lot of scientists who may see a conflict with god i think the more you know, I, I think that science is just such evidence, you know, just like art. Like if you, you know, all you need to prove that there was a civilization somewhere or people somewhere, you go in a cave and you see some stick figures. And if it seems like it makes sense, you assume that someone did it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because it looks like there's artistic intent and it looks like it's organized and it looks like it's intentional. So when I look at the universe, and I see black and yellow and, you know, people and I see the hydrological cycle, you know what I mean? And I see the system, our eyes, our brains, all that, you know, I don't believe that an organized stick figure drawing could get there by itself over millions of years or that a magazine uh, with, you know, 
colors and letters and that's coherent could get there by itself just poof over millions of years like i don't i, I just personally don't believe that and so for me seeing the how well organized and put together and artistic the universe is uh you know it caused me to cry out you know and like I, you know i could believe whatever my culture says or i could believe what my parents say or i could believe what people say uh or i could look at the evidence around me that there must be something more and just cry out like what is there so i ended up at a really interesting spot with that but um yeah man because it's it's at the center of my life specifically because man if there's a divine love there like if we're not accident you know if we're not just a cosmic you know just things just happen now you're here if there's a purpose to your life if you're loved if there's a destination beyond death cuz we all got to go through it you know what i mean i don't know if it's an hour or 50 years but every human has to die um if that's all the case then what's more important than that so yeah man i think for me you know my music has a purpose you know it's fun it's martial arts hip hop but my, myself as a person you know i love people you know, I want to say, as weird as it sounds, beyond this life, you know, like I, 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 uh, I see people past their, their just their physical being, you know, uh, and I and I want what's best for folks. So I found I always tell people it's kind of like if you if you're if we're all beggars and someone finds bread, I can't force you to eat the bread, but what kind of person would I be if I didn't tell you that there was mm. bread? You know, it's like oh he's homeless. Well, you know. I won't tell them. I'm just going to sit here and eat this bread. I found the thing that's the most fulfilling and mind-blowing and uh, interesting when I was so skeptical that I can't help but share mm -hmm. with others. So, Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, you know, finding that true personal narrative, whatever it is, that truth, and then really preaching that through some sort of process that you love, whether it is martial arts, music, or anything really, I think is key to a lot of people, especially young people right now, who are sort of drifting around maybe can't find um, any kind of either calling or sense of fulfillment, I think finding that message as well as that process that they love, super key to that. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And and I think the interesting thing for me, maybe interesting is like, you know, I'll touch on spiritual topics in my music and some will be pretty explicit. Uh, but for the most part, um, it's not the agenda of my music. Mm -hmm. You know, my music is more... Yeah, kind of stay thematically just self-expressive and in, in, in as far as martial arts and things that I like. Um, but it's it's me as a person, you know what I mean. So you'll obviously because it's my music, it'll come out in different ways. Uh, but I think what's cool is that you know I'm not preaching to the choir, and my music isn't always preaching. So it's kind of like I have a bunch of friends who who don't believe what i believe right but we're friends because we have a lot of interest and i think with my music it's kind of that way like you don't have to believe what i believe uh to enjoy my music nor do you have to listen to it feeling like i'm trying to convince you of something mm -hmm. the whole time and so you know that's what i like my music is just like a safe spot like it's you're just we're just you're just enjoying stuff that we both like <laughs> and once in a while you'll hear me be, be deep about something but a lot of times it's just cool to listen yeah. to hopefully. yeah and getting those different people or those different opinions together i think really is key which is i think something you talk about a little bit in your um your commentary for that stereotypes video that we mentioned before yeah and i'd also love to shift gears a little bit i want to know more about your grandmaster studios that you have going on 
Yeah, yeah. So um, it's just it's it's uh, the company that houses uh, rappers martial art. We're working on different films, and uh, so it's really that's uh, we're doing a bunch of projects behind the scenes uh, with that. So in the next year, there should be a lot more with that. But yeah, so yeah, we work on music and film and art. Actually, uh, a podcast that I just started. We just interviewed a bunch of really incredible A-list celebrities uh, that I'll leave. It's, the show is going to be, it's called Rare Nomads. Mm-hmm. So in the next few months, it'll be coming out and we cover all types of topics. We have spiritual conversations, uh, but we also, my co-host and I are, are opposite. And it's kind of funny. He asks the wildest questions and the wildest topics to some of these uh, celebrities. And I go a little more intellectual and spiritual. Uh, with them as well so it's really a fun dichotomy it's like howard howard stern meets i don't know some spiritual thing you know what i mean so it's kind of kind of crazy like what in the world how do these two live together but it makes for really interesting conversation yeah i'm pumped i saw some uh some posts about it on the instagram so i'm looking forward to hearing those yeah and i saw you were a fight choreographer for a few projects you had going over there i actually i host a second podcast action filmmaking decoded because i'm also such a a huge action movie fan i'm wondering is there any similarity to the creative process of choreographing a fight and then also writing raps or writing verses yeah you know um yeah absolutely um and you know we're still working and growing uh, it's fight, fight choreography but there's a lot of fight choreograph fight choreographers that i know pretty well uh that we're going to be working on with these films so that's that's cool it's exciting but yes to answer your question uh yeah i mean i think it's a similar process like i i really like being inspired by others uh and their work um you know some people when they write or when they choreograph or whatever they they like to not see other people's work Mm -hmm. so that they can just be you know just kind of not have the noise around them for me, it's actually really different. I'm very competitive by wiring. And so even at a tournament, like I want to go last. Mm. Uh, I like to go last. And so same thing for music or choreography. I like to see something that really motivates me to, to want to do better. You know what I mean? Like I need to see something that's like, oh, wow, that was crazy. Like I, I need to I need to one up that somehow mm-hmm. it makes the artistic process fun for me. So art, even art is like war for me, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like a sport. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, in that sense, if it's fight choreography, seeing a really cool fight, uh, will motivate me to, to want to choreograph and same thing with music or art or anything. So. Yeah, definitely. I love having some sort of holistic, uh, through line in someone's life going from different areas of their interests to me it says yeah. that you really understand yourself in some some way yeah yeah that's that's really cool i like that you think that way <laughs> i'd love to shift gears one more time as well talking about sort of current events a little bit so obviously there's been many displays of civil rights activism for the black community throughout 2020 and a big theme or a big issue that i see is portions of the asian community not willing to stand up for other minorities or other uh, communities of color sometimes. And sometimes you also see that hostility go the other way as well. So do you have any thoughts on how we can sort of help 
um, mend that wound or help unite those two communities together, communities of color with the Asian community? Yeah, that's a very good uh, question. And uh, I'm far from from an expert uh, on the subject of, of how we could do that. But um, I know that they're all communities that I love. And so for me, um, you know, I don't know. I think that sometimes when it comes to uh, the Asian community, uh, I think maybe because most of the modern stereotypes that are associated with Asians are pretty positive in some ways. Like they're, they're narrow and uh, mm-hmm. they can feel boxed in. But generally, uh, uh, they're positive or people judge them as benign. You know what I mean? Like, oh, like, you know, if it's a negative stereotype, it's not that bad type of thing. And so I think that sometimes the Asian community gets maybe left out of these serious conversations about, you know, mm-hmm. uh, what's going on uh, in, in, in community and racism or, you know, I, I, that's my impression that, that, you know, of course, you know, in our very, uh, in our, in our culture where it's very mainstream to be very like an activist about every single little thing and sensitive about everything. Um, you know, you see people standing up for things that they don't even care about just mm-hmm. because it's you know what I mean? Like just because they think it's supposed to, everybody's an activist all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah, performative um, stuff, definitely. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's woke and you know all this stuff. And so, I think online maybe it seems like people, but I think I think there's a sense where maybe I don't know. Uh, I don't know if the Asian f- community feels disrespected in that way. You know what I mean? Like people don't really come to their aid, and maybe I don't know if that's that's a function of that. You know, mm-hmm. of the the back and forth. I'm not sure. Um, but, um, you know, Asians in America have faced a lot of things and, uh, like that's not talked about very much. And so, you know, I think, I think there's a real appreciation, uh, between the youth, at least, uh, like we talked about like hip hop and martial arts, like it's kind of a joke. I was like, you know, I kind of joke sometimes like Asian people want to be black and black people want to be Asian. Um, and not 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 in the full sense of the word. I'm sure Asian people don't want all the stuff that comes with being black, but at least artistically, uh-huh. at least artistically, they 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 kind of you know like a lot of Asian um, kids just you know love hip hop like and they embrace it and you know they you know they become even better and you know so many black kids just like they love martial arts. I mean a lot of people in general, but that's like a a generality that proves true a lot of time, like, like all over the world, it doesn't matter where you are, like black kids love, uh, martial arts. And, uh, and so it's kind of like this cross cultural envy thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, I wish that that, uh, mutual respect and love would, um, would, uh, go beyond art forms. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh, I think, you know, taking some of those things that are respected and, and, and mutually respected be- between the cultures um, and not just supporting each other artistically, but when it comes to everything, I think is a thing. I think another thing is, um, you know, I, you know, I think that sadly part of, you know, what I personally think uh, is at the heart of, the human narrative, sadly, and sin, you can see it all, all around is, you know, this uh, tribalism 
and the competitive spirit in a bad way that mm-hmm. makes it so that everybody just isolate. Everybody wants to be with the people that they look like or act like. It's this, this affinity group thing. Um, and, uh, and I think honestly, you know, the words I put is like, just like sin, like we're supposed to love, but somehow our heart is jealous and hates. And so I think it always comes down to love and compassion. Um, and I think when people are defensive or, um, uh, what do you call it? Self, um, you know, just worry kind of about their own Mm -hmm. self, you know, like survival. I think, um, it just it just uh, creates a situation where you know people are just taking care of themselves. So oftentimes it's not people. Oftentimes people it's not that people care about racism, right? This is a sad human reality. People say they care about racism. They just but the reality is they just don't want people to be racist against them, mm-hmm. right? Or you can see this in the black community where right now it's all about black empowerment, which I love. But as soon as somebody strays from the narrative of black empowerment that they're pushing, all of a sudden they're an uncle Tom and they're, they're dismissed. Like their black card is taken away. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, do you care about your narrative or do you care about the people? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I, I think that uh, self-preservation is a word. Um, people are more concerned about their self-preservation than the principles that they claim to stand behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I think a lot of people would disagree. I personally, I see some very similar themes when I'm looking around at how people are behaving with these issues. I think if you take time to really consider some different argument or some different, you know, life perspective, the only two things that could happen is they tell you something that you didn't know, and now you have a better understanding of the truth, or they say something that doesn't make any sense, and now you're reaffirmed in your sense of the truth in what really is what's happening in reality objectively and now you are that much more prepared for when someone comes at you with an opposing argument you're more informed to be able to deal with that yeah and like you said the issue is communication but i don't know if you saw even the social dilemma like uh that yeah well we live in the craziest time like i've never lived in a time where people are entitled to their own facts Mm mm-hmm everybody's got their own facts right now it's it's like ridiculous like and the social development talks about it like all the internet algorithms are structured and and work in such a way that you know facebook feeds us what we want to see right instagram feeds us what we want to see google feeds us what we want to see uh and that's because uh we're the uh we're the product right they're selling ads and different things and so uh, and they and the more we're on these platforms, the more ads they can sell, the more money they make. And so, uh, the move the movie is basically talking about the fact that you know, basically conservatives are getting conservative uh, uh, propaganda all over the internet because they're getting fed what they search for and what they like, mm-hmm. right? And, and if you're liberal, you're getting that as well. And so these two worldviews are more polarized than ever. It's like. There was a time where we sort of got neutral facts and then people reacted to it in the way that they reacted to it, right? But now you see things where there's literally groups of people who don't believe the same thing is going on at all. Like they're literally on different planets. And I've experienced that with friends and different racial groups where, you know, some people are like, man, black people are being hunted in America. Other people's like, no, that's propaganda. Like, it's not really happened. Look at the facts, you know? And it's like, whose facts? Like, whose facts? You know what I mean? Um, 
And I think that goes back to to this concept in our culture that we learn in school and everywhere. You probably, you know, and it becomes it's such a part, a fabric of the developing culture in America that we don't realize it, where it's like you've heard this the term live your truth, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Your truth. To me, that's an oxymoron. Uh-huh. That's called a perspective, not the truth. The truth is something that's objectively true, regardless of your perspective, right? Like, so what I mean by that is your truth. Like, is it? What if my truth is that I'm, I'm, I'm Russian, right? Like, that's my truth. Like, I decide today that like I feel like I'm I'm from Russia. I'm Russian. That is my truth, and it it affects every way that I look at life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and your truth is that I'm Colombian, right? Either way, that's not the truth. Like I'm Haitian, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like you can, you can, you you can look at my DNA and figure out, you know what. And so I think that's playing out now in in the fact that not only is there this concept, and not to totally bash it, but I, I I think it's it's slightly dangerous. Is there's this concept where everybody's entitled to their own truth? You know, Hitler was entitled to his truth. Mm-hmm. You know, for Hitler, exterminating Jews was good. That was his truth. So, so um, when you when you change the word truth in perspective, I I think personally, I know a lot of people don't wouldn't agree, but I think personally, it creates a dangerous paradigm for society um, um, because nobody cares about truth. That's that even that concept is offensive. Uh, it's like we all have our own truth, but now when you start doing that, and that starts bleeding into the media. And everybody's kind of pushing their own agendas and, and facts. Then you get the situation where we're in right now where literally people see the country in totally different ways. They think different things are going on in a way like I've never seen before. And that movie, The Social Dilemma, talks about it. But yeah, I mean, that's just kind of uh, – I think it makes it makes communication harder, I guess. Mm-hmm. As I've had conversations with people in this time, I've realized like, whoa. We're watching a totally different movie. <laughs> you know, like reality is totally different for you and I. You see things, you you see the facts totally different. And uh, I've seen that really divide people because they don't realize that. They just think, yeah, so yeah. I can go on forever. <laughs> Let me- no, you're definitely right. And um, so with it being such a tough and complicated world in this day and age for people to navigate, my last actual question here is, do you have any advice for other people who are trying to either figure themselves out or figure out what path they want to take in their life? You, I hope you're ready for this, Mike. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, this, that was quite the, the alley-oop for me. I got to take the ball and, and go. Is um, To be honest, uh, brother, I know, I know we're doing an interview, but you know, I'm talking to you and anybody who's going to listen to this. Um, the way that that's one of the things that's been most uh, touching and impactful to me is this, is this reality that, um, and I think in analogies, and they're not the greatest analogies, but hopefully you'll get my point, is, uh, you know, I, I think um, that in order to know, you know, like we're constantly growing and getting to know ourselves, right? Um, and one of the things I think about, obviously, with my paradigm and belief about life is that 
there's so much design uh, in who we are and whether or not we believe in a creator, we just look at DNA. Like our DNA has a design. Would you agree? Mm-hmm. Like our DNA tells like, you know, like our eyes look a certain way. Like there's a program written there. Uh, whether we think it's accidental or on purpose is a different story, but there's, there's, a, there's information in our DNA and uh, that information and that design is special which is why some people have green eyes and brown eyes and some people are good at this and some people are good at that it's all written there uh, and there's nurture of course as well and so for me what i've realized is the more i get to know my designer the more i understand my design you know the bad analogy uh, i tend to use would be like if somebody created a uh, a robot you know mm-hmm. and and wrote a program and the robot and the robot was walking around and 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 the robot is trying to figure itself out and what it's there for. Well, the best way for the robot to understand what it's there for is to find the manual or find it, whoever made it, right? Because the robot might be like, man, I love swimming. I just love swimming. And the robot's swimming. But what's happening while the robot's swimming? It's actually self-destructing, mm. right? Like you love swimming. Great. Just because you love something doesn't mean you were designed to that, that if that's good for you. Um, and so it's like, if it was a robot or let's say a computer, a computer wants to swim, but all of a sudden the computer finds the designer, the computer's like, and the designer's like, Hey, get on this desk and let me type on you, you know? And it gets typed on. It's like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. Look at all these things I can do. You know what I mean? Um, and it's like, yeah, you thought you wanted to swim, but you had no idea what you were there for. You had no idea how to use your gifts and what they were there for. And I, I and I truly believe that uh, the gifts that we have are meant to not only serve us, but serve others mm. and make our society better and one another better. But the way that we're wired and the way that we think is selfishly. So it's like, maybe you're a genius so that you can solve the, uh, you know, the poverty issue. You know what I mean? I'm just making it up. But instead, you just create a zillion dollar business um, and you figured out how to you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now you're a billionaire and you're just doing really well and it's great, but those skills could have been used to, to solve something else in our society, for example, or not solve, but to better it. And that's a terrible example. Uh, but my point is, is that, um, man, this universe is so cool. I know we can all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Like the universe is so cool. There's a ball of fire that's just floating. Uh-huh the universe right now and we're like on a floating marble and that ball of fire is keeping us alive and if it goes too far we will all you know freeze to death you know and if mm-hmm. it comes any closer we'll all burn you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like what what in the world that's crazy like it's the fairy tale like it makes no sense and uh and uh we can talk about gravity and we can put all these terms and explain what's going on it still doesn't explain how in the world this magical world came to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what I would say is, um, man, cry out to your creator. If there's really a creator, which I know that there is, um, but if there's really a creator, cry out. You know, there's a scripture that really uh, moved me because uh, um, I grew up being skeptical of all types of faiths in it, but it says, uh, seek me, uh, seek me with all your heart and you'll find me. For I'm not far from any of you. And it's a scripture that was powerful and I've experienced that. And so I just tell people, man, like, 
there's really a God and you humbly cry out, he can draw you to him um, and uh, to God. And uh, I think the more we know our designer, the more we'll understand our design. Um, and then practically speaking, mm-hmm. tell people to try a lot of things, you know, mm-hmm. try a lot of things and, and see what you love. You know, the things that you love are a good indication of what you're uh, um, designed to do, but they're not sufficient in my opinion. Because like I said, the robot might love swimming and there might be a reason for that, but swimming is self-destructive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, but when but when you start finding the things you love, you understand yourself. So finding what you love, what you resonate with, trying different things, uh, not shying away from suffering. You learn the most about yourself in trials, mm-hmm. and that's where you grow the most. So if you're just running after pleasure, you're going to miss the whole thing. Gotcha. Good advice on the the high level, and then on the on the ground sort of actionable advice level. Good stuff all around. Now the real last question: Do you have any upcoming projects you wanted to talk about? And if people wanted to know more about you or your work, where can they find you online? Uh, yeah. So, uh, the answer to that is yes, I'm working on a new project right now, which I'm really excited about. I'm going to go on Friday, record, um, some songs. So it's going to be even more eclectic. I'm going to chill out a little bit on, um, I'm lying. I'm not going to chill out on the rhyme schemes, but I'm going to pay attention to my audience, uh, uh, and, uh, make it even more digestible so they can enjoy it the first or second time, not have to listen to it a bunch. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited for that. Um, and uh, more martial arts. And uh, like I said, working on that Rare Nomad show uh, with the celebrities that are on there, giving great insight. Uh, you can find me anywhere at rapismartialart.com. You can subscribe to rapismartialart.com. Because uh, there's so much coming and would love to share that with you. We also have a fashion line that merges the world of hip hop, martial arts, uh, martial luxury, kind of giving people who love uh, martial arts a place to uh, find cool clothes. Um, and so uh, we have a whole new line of that coming out soon. That's at rappersandmartialart.com slash fashion. And IG is where I live most of the time. And that's at rap is a martial art. Mike, I have a question for you. Yeah, of course. Well, do you, you have to go right now, don't you? In a little bit, yeah, but I got time to, to keep recording. Okay, cool. This can be recorded and not recorded. This is just a personal question for you, so you can cut this out if you want. <laughs> okay, interview. okay. Um, like a five-minute question uh, with your reply. But, uh, Mike, to go more into detail with you, I, I'd love to know, man, like uh, – just you growing up and stuff like that. Like, where do you stand? If you, I always ask this question because I care about people. My family has lost a lot of people. So the reality that, you know, life is short is very palpable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my God forbid, if you, uh, you know, this is a spiritual question. So you can dodge this. You could be like, man, I don't like, you can be like, I don't like talking about that stuff. That's totally cool. But I suggest that you don't dodge it. If you were to pass away in one hour, God forbid, what do you think would happen to you? Like, do you think there's anything after? Like, what do you personally think? You know, so I'm personally not super religious necessarily, but I am, I guess, in a way spiritual. So as someone who who chose physics partly because, you know, I just enjoy the mechanics of it, 
But the yeah. other aspect of physics for me was that I do think if there is a connection, and I think there is a connection between the spiritual religious side of things and the scientific side of things, we're going to find that through the realm of physics. So when you look at crazy mind boggling things, like you were talking about with the sun and the moon and, and all this craziness that's going on in the universe, you know, if you think about something like shadows and the concept of dimensions, an mm -hmm. object that is three dimensional, like you and me, we have a two dimensional shadow. If you picture a two-dimensional person like Mario running around a 2D screen, his shadow is just a single line on the ground, a single horizontal line. That's a one-dimensional shadow. So basically anything has a shadow that is one dimension less than itself. So that yeah. means there exists a four-dimensional object and it has a three-dimensional shadow. No idea what that's like. Totally bends your mind. Don't even think about it because yeah. you're not going to figure out what that, you know, you can't fathom that with your human brain. And so if there are things like that, and then we also have higher dimensions other than that, I believe that is the path to whatever this thing that we call God or the afterlife is. And so also as a physicist, I believe in maybe not souls necessarily or anything like that, but I do believe in energy. And so I believe that once you lose consciousness, that is, for lack of a better term, an energy that is going to have something happen to it. I don't have any specifics as to what happens, but I believe in laws of conservation I believe that consciousness is going to go somewhere or have something transformed within it. Um, what's mind boggling to me about everything that you said, right? Mm -hmm. Which is all really cool stuff. I love that stuff. Is that, you know, when people try to understand the universe um, and you start sharing that, you think that the more information you get, the more understandable it is. It actually makes it more complex. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> right? It's just like, oh, man, this is even more complex than I thought. Oh, my goodness. And so, you know, for me, the interesting thing is, is like, you know, uh, oftentimes where when there's a law, there's usually a lawmaker, right? And mm -hmm. not everybody believes that. But I, I so I tell people this, that, you know, Let's let's get out for a second. Uh, let's suspend uh, what we think for a second, and let's say that we were gonna pass away, right? Like an hour from now. And there's something about passing away, like right when you're on your deathbed, where you're like, man, whatever dimension or energy or soul, like whatever that is, I really hope right now it's you know what I mean it's good, you know. Um, and because it's like I'm going, and so I'm like, you know, we all got to go through this thing. And so, man, in, in the last two minutes that I got you here, I'd love to just share this with you and you can do whatever you want with it. Mm -hmm. um, is that all right? Yeah, of course. Of course. So, you know, the mind blowing thing for me, like I said, man, my, I had a friend growing up, he used to bring me a Bible and I could show him contradictions in five minutes, uh, you know, you know, so I thought and I had all these different things. But anyways, long story short, man, I, the, the, I, I just want to share this concept with you because people get it so wrong. Um, you know, the, the word gospel mm -hmm. means good news. And most people don't know that. It's kind of fun. Just have fun one day and go to people who think they're Christians and just be like, hey, what's the word gospel mean? And they'll tell you the wrong. They won't know what it means. Um, and you're like, man, you guys don't know what you're talking about. Um, but the word means good news. And I remember asking people like, well, what's the good news? And they had no concept. And this is, in, in short, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people this. Imagine for a second that you and I pass away, right? And be this being, right? Like, and you feel more love than you've ever loved before. Love is a pretty powerful emotion. Mm -hmm. God is love, right? So, boom, like, oh man, it's amazing. You feel so loved, Mike. We're both there. We're like, dude, we were just talking. This is crazy. I don't know what dimension this is, but this is amazing, right? 
And and all of a sudden, uh, you know, this being says to you, hey, uh, Mike, uh, based on, you know how there's laws of nature? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would say the spiritual laws are relatively clear too. Like we know that when we murder, somebody gets hurt. You know what I mean? And it scars us. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we lie, right? Like you don't like people lying to you. Am I correct? Right. You don't like people stealing from you. Am I correct? Yeah. So I would say that those spiritual laws, let's just call them spiritual laws because relationally we can see the evidence that they destroy things, right? Okay. So let's assume for a second that there's spiritual laws and God's like, Mike, based on my spiritual laws, those that you're aware of, uh, would you say that you're innocent or would you say that you're guilty, mm-hmm. right? And before you answer, he's like, do not lie. Do not steal. Boom, boom, boom. We are all guilty, right? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a scripture that's really interesting. I'm just leaving this with you. It says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This concept that there's a God who designed us, loves us, and there are spiritual laws that preserve us and preserve others. And we can become self-destructive and destructive towards others. And when we do that, we break those laws, right? And so imagine for a second that we say, yeah, you know, right? You've given us freedom of choice. Uh, without freedom of choice, there's no possibility of love, right? That's why a robot can't love you. The robot has no choice, right? Mm-hmm. So let's assume we have freedom of choice. And you're like, God, why would you allow evil if you're good? Well, if you don't have a choice, we you can't even experience love. We can't be in a loving relationship. That's not love. That's slavery. You don't have a choice. So I had to create choice. So imagine for a second that we were held accountable in that moment. And we're like, oh, man, shoot, I'm guilty, Right. Uh, there's, there's, and I tell people this, most people are like, well, man, I'm a good person. As long as I do enough good, I should be good. No matter what happens, karma, whatever, I should be good. Right. And the last question I'll ask, is ask you this is if I were to commit one crime against you today, right. Mm-hmm. And then I were to do 500,000 good things after that. And my court date was in a month. What would happen to me on that court date? Uh, if I, if the judge found me guilty of that one bad thing I did. Even though I did five hundred thousand good things afterwards, mm-hmm. what would happen if oh, I was good? Well, I don't yeah. know what would happen. Yeah, the judge would send me to jail, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He'd be like, "You're guilty. You stole. Like, it's nice. You did five hundred thousand good things, but that's not why we came to court today, mm-hmm. right?" He'd be like, "You know, you're guilty." And so I just I, I I share that thought with people where it's like, um, the Bible, the scriptures actually say something scary, which is not what most people think. Most people are like, "Oh, if you're a good person," and religious people tend to be uh. Um, judgmental, what the scripture is actually saying is like, hey guys, you've actually all failed this test of righteousness. Like you, nobody is actually good in God's eyes. Like we've all failed that and uh, to different degrees, but we all failed. And so this is, this is the metaphor. And this is the last part is imagine for a second, all right, suspend reality for you for a second. We're there. We see this being like, this is crazy. Imagine for a second that you and I start walking uh, towards uh, this place where we're separated from everything good, this concept of hell, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because we're guilty, right? This this loving God, he's like, okay, what are you going to do? Just imagine, we're like, we're guilty. And before he says anything, we're like, oh, shoot. We start walking towards this. And we're like, yo, man, this is crazy. Like, man. And before you get there, right, this being says this to you. He's like, hey, Mike, I love you. I love you. I love you too much to let you go to this place called hell, separation from God. Um, 
you know, the scripture says the wages of sin is death, which means we what we earn for our sin is spiritual separation from God and hell. So imagine for a second we're guilty. We're walking towards it. He's like, I love you too much to let you go here. Uh, he's like, but I'm too righteous to let your sin go. Like, if I don't, if I don't address your sin, then I'm a crooked judge, right? Like, mm-hmm. makes no like you know you did something wrong, and you did something terrible. And if I let you go, I got to let go of everybody, right? Like, this has to be addressed, just like you would want somebody to be uh, convicted if they you know, you know, hurt your mother or hurt your sister or something like that. Uh, in this situation, you're in front of the judge. So we're like, okay, dang, I don't need a riddle before I go to hell, right? Like, I don't need a riddle. So imagine we start, we 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 say bye to our friends or family, we keep walking towards it, but before you get to your electrical chair, as a metaphor for for death, before you get there, you look at your electrical chair. And imagine if you looked at your electrical chair and you saw the judge himself sitting there. Mm-hmm. The God of the universe sitting on your electrical chair, and you're like, oh, what are you doing? What's going on? And he says, um, I, Mike, I love you too much to let you go here, but I'm too righteous to let your sin go. Like your sin has to be paid for. It's got to be taken care of. Like, And he says, I'm going to pay for it. Right? Mm. And your mind is blown. You're like, what in the heck? The first consistent, like you're loving and you're righteous in that moment. You were both. You didn't pretend I didn't do anything. The penalty was still there. But you loved me so much that you took that penalty. And I'll leave you with this, brother. There's so many claims by so many people, so many prophets all over the world about different things spiritually. Mm-hmm. But I, 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 I tell people this final analogy. Uh, and go with me here and I'll let you go, brother. And this is just food for thought for you. Uh, imagine you didn't know your father, right? But your mom told you two things. He's loving and he's brave. The man of character and he's loving. and all of a sudden you're successful you're you're the most famous phys, you know you know physics professor expert in the world right mm-hmm. seven dudes show up to your house and they're like hey i'm your father but you've no pictures no anything they all look similar you're like who's my father and they all say similar stuff so you don't know who to believe but all of a sudden i run up you see me running we're running you know i, I you know i've got a katana on my back but instead of using it i pull out a gun and i shoot at you right mm-hmm. and when I shoot at you, one of the guys jumps in front of the bullet and dies. Who would you assume is your father? I'd assume it's the man who jumped in front of me. Yeah. The Munushan of you, because love is defined by sacrifice mm-hmm. in its purest form, right? Like, I could tell you I love you all day and sleep with your girlfriend, mm-hmm. right? Like, people say stuff, right? But the reason why you said that's my, you didn't do any research, no DNA, nothing yet, but you're like, boom, that, that's got to be my father, is because it was such a clear display of love, right? Mm-hmm. Losing everything for your well-being. And I tell people this, whether you believe the gospel or not, there's no more, not a more powerful image of God's love than the story of Jesus. The very concept that the God in the universe would basically take a bullet for you because he loves you is the only concept like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 so the question for us is are we really spiritually guilty? Is that true? And then the other question is man, does the God of the universe love us enough to do that? And this is the end of the scripture. The scripture is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So I tell people this, what if uh you found out that heaven was real 
and that and it's not a boring place. The guy who designed pleasure is the one who designed it, right? So it's not just playing trumpets on a cloud, like, you know? Um, but the God of the universe, imagine you found that heaven was real and that it was a gift. You could go there for free as a free gift, a gift that you don't deserve. I tell people that would be the best news in the universe, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you could go and be forgiven of all the stuff that you've done wrong and and be with God forever in this place that's how things are supposed to be, where there's no death and no murder and all this crazy stuff. I tell people it'd be the best news and it's totally changed my life. And I'm a very skeptical person. So I've kept my brain the entire time. I've never checked my brain out. And, uh, and um, yeah, man, I share that with you because maybe at some point in your life, you'll look back at this conversation and maybe it'll resonate with you. Maybe you're being an existential crisis and you're like, mm-hmm. what is everything? God, like, what is this? I've, I've got all this information and I still feel empty. I still don't feel fulfilled. I still don't feel like I know what the heck I'm here for. And I just want to let you know that there's a claim that the God of the universe loves you, that he designed you. He designed everything that you're learning about physics, knows mm-hmm. all about it. And he loves you, but you're spiritually guilty but he loves you enough that he took care of that. And so uh, the scriptures say, if you admit that, you turn from your sin in your heart and put your faith in Christ that he died and rose again from the dead, the scripture says uh, that you'll be saved. And the scripture says this too. It says that it's foolish on purpose. Like it's so cool. The Bible's like, this sounds like foolishness, but it says that God did that on purpose to humble men. Because we can get all the information in the universe. Test me on this, okay? Ten years from now, if you remember this conversation, you'll have all. You'll have so much. You have ten years more of information, right? Uh-huh. And, and just remember this conversation and ask yourself: Am I more fulfilled? Hmm. Am I happier because of all this information? What has this information actually done? That information, bro, is there to point you to a to a designer. That's the scripture says that's what it's there for. God made all these things around us so that his existence would be evident, mm-hmm. so that we could have a relationship with him. So that's what I encourage you as you're learning all this. If you're ever like, why? Like, what is the point? Remember this crazy guy named Rabbis of Martial Art who said to you, Bro, when you're learning all this, think about, wow, man, maybe this is all to point me to a designer. Uh, and then, you know, it sounds crazy. I know it sounds like a fairy tale. But everything you said about dimensions sounds like a fairy tale too. <laughs> yeah, 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 but it's absolutely. true. But it's true. So, man, thanks for having me, bro. I just didn't want to leave you without that because if this is the last time I talk to you, it's the most important thing I have to share and it's the way that I show love, man. So I just want to share mm-hmm. that with you. Of course. I, you know, as someone who's raised Catholic, I've seen people firsthand who have been, you know, who've had their faith pull them out of either alcoholism or from literal suicide attempts. So I, and I always say, you know, even if I don't believe now, I'm always going to keep an open mind in the future. And I'll never say that I'm not going to believe, or I'm not going to go down this path, always open-minded. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely, man. And even, as you said, like growing up Catholic, we went to Catholic church a little bit as a kid. I always tell people it's not the system. It's, it's, it's the heart of it. Like for me, Mm. it was like, grew up Catholic and I never, I read the Bible, like I didn't really read much of it. Like it wasn't really encouraged. And when I went back to the scriptures, I went back to the Bible and assessed it and not just one-sided, I learned why do people believe this is true? Why do people believe this is reliable? Because everybody tells you why it's, no, it's been changed and all this, but why do people believe it's reliable? And as I learned that, 
and I went back to the scriptures realizing how reliable they were, that's what was transformative. Like going to church and doing mass and doing all this and standing up and sitting down and kneeling down. Even Jesus is like religion is worthless if God's not at the center of it, truly. You know what I mean? So yeah, just wanted to encourage you with that. Um, and thanks so much, man. This was a cool interview. Of course, man. Thank you so much. So to everyone listening, thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Mike Messina, Rap is a Martial Art. We'll catch you next time. Thanks, brother. Thank you.